you want practice on and when i say lots of practice i mean practice on different people ask some questions about how it's organized and how clients are assigned and is there any team consultation on these clients what are you getting into when you're getting into your uh, clinical practice because if you're just shut in a room with a client and left alone you're not going to progress as fast as if you're being shepherded through that at first and then given more autonomy as you go through Hello, my name is Jeff Large, and you are listening to Choosing a Massage School. This is a podcast where I discuss with leading massage therapists everything you need to know on deciding on a massage therapy school. You just heard from Tom Myers, and in today's conversation, we'll be discussing why we need touch as electrical beings, the importance of finding a mentor, and the number one factor you should look for in a massage therapy school, joy. Tom is a world-renowned author and expert in structural integration. He has studied under movement and manual therapy pioneers like Drs. Ida Rolf and Buckminster Fuller. Now he passes on his knowledge to others through his books and professional development courses. Tom's passion lies in helping others connect and thrive in their own bodies through self-awareness, human touch, and connection. And if there's anything that you take away from this interview and Tom's wisdom, it's this. It's a pivotal time in history to become a massage therapist. We need massage therapy now more than ever. My name is Tom Myers, and I am the author of Anatomy Trains. And Anatomy Trains, the company, runs continuing education worldwide, especially in structural integration and the structural postural model of interfering with human beings. Excellent. For people who are at the beginning of their journey in massage therapy or potentially starting to look at massage therapy, one of the things I like to start with is what are some of those questions or things that I should be thinking about from your point of view? Well, massage therapy is a very wide field and includes things that are toward the more osteopathic ends, toward like what I do, which is trying to change structure in the body to more energetic things like Reiki, hands-on healing touch, I've forgotten the therapeutic touch. There are just so many ways in which one can employ a massage. It, as you go into the profession, you might want to think about who do you want to work with? Who would it delight you to work with? Is that children? Is that older people? Is that sports people? All of those things would uh, that that kind of original inspiration that got you to <laughs> spend all this money and all this time in the first place, changing your career and making something new. If you feel into that, then that might determine your choice of school, your choice of a teacher, your choice of where you put yourself first in developing your practice. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really interesting question. So are you suggesting, what, I guess what I'm curious about are, are there certain questions that carry more weight? So for example, does it make more sense to ask myself at that stage, who do I want to work with versus what kind of work I want to do? Those are related questions. I'll just give you my own example. My inspiration into this was how physically and emotionally narrow I'd gotten in having my white privileged male traditional education, the best education money could buy on the East Coast in the 60s and in the 1960s. And I came out of that crippled in terms of my emotions and my body. And so 
through my career, I've done all kinds of different things, but that original inspiration of being the awkward kid who was not present in his body, either emotionally or physically, that was such a gift to me that that's the gift that I want to give back to the world. That I don't want children to go through school and come out with bodies as alienated as mine was when I came out of school. Uh, it seems to me that a user's guide to the human body course that happens in school that would be related to massage therapy, would be related to physical training, uh, would be good for everybody. Because what happens is the people who are good at athletics get all kinds of attention in school, and the people who are bad at it get almost nothing in terms of physical skills. And unfortunately, if you'll allow me to go on, education in general has denigrated physical skills. Like there's not much money for art. There's not much money for music. There's not much money for dance. There's plenty of money for athletics. If you're good at athletics, you thrive in with your body in that system. Otherwise, there's very little training. There's almost no training in how to handle emotions physically, how to negotiate the emotional intelligence that's required of <laughs> being in society today. Mm -hmm. I think that, I mean, you, you highlight a really good point. So much of, I think what we talk about, about massage therapy, or at least even what I'm witnessing going through this process of, of this first season of the podcast, has to do more with the the physical aspects, but you're touching on some really key things where I'm, I'm hearing you be pretty introspective. I'm hearing you talk about these more holistic body type connections. Is there anything else in that realm that I should be considering as I'm, I'm beginning to kind of journey down this path? Yeah, I think there's, I am interested in both the well, I'd say three, the spiritual and the emotional and the physical part of this. I'm known for my contribution to the physical part, but in my practice, the things that are the most interesting to me are the emotional and spiritual changes. I'm trying to stop the chains of abuse and failure and denial and suppression that go from generation to generation. Some of these things go boom, 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 and alternate from generation to generation, and some of them just get passed down whole from one generation to the next. What we want to do is break those chains in society. I'm talking about society now and the contribution of massage therapy to that is uh, really important and will become more important as we come out of the COVID era. The idea of social contact and the social contract that we all live in here, I think are related. It may not seem as if massage therapy is a, is a counterbalance to the political situation that we all find ourselves in, but I believe it is that if we're going to come to some kind of new definition of the truth, because <laughs> determining what the truth is, is very hard nowadays, yes? Yeah. Because we're all in our silos and, and there isn't a single authority for that kind of thing. So getting the authority in your own body, becoming authentic, becoming, <laughs> uh, my friends in California use the word sovereign, you know, that you are, you have sovereignty over your body is very difficult in an age of advertising, in an age of the internet. So I think that authentication of oneself in one's body feelings is actually becoming, going to become way more important, not less important. And that whatever AI is doing, it's not coming close to that. That essential contact is so central to us as human beings that I don't see that being replaced by the roto massager or these tools that they've got that sort of on your muscles. Uh, we're not going to be replaced by that because there's something very essential in the contact that we've certainly all felt this year. 
Yeah, absolutely. So practically speaking, what does maybe a day-to-day kind of month look like for you? What kind of things do you are you responsible for? Well, I've been responsible for the last year for uh, trying to keep our company afloat while COVID happens because our company gets people together internationally to touch each other. That's not <laughs> an easy task this year. Uh, so we've had to flip around to be an online education resource, which so far we have done successfully to the tune that I haven't had to lay anybody off and we're hoping that we're going to be returning to something normal. So my month consists of coming down to this little library here, which is on my farm in Maine. And uh, in the past week, I sat in this chair and broadcast myself to Moscow, to Japan, to London, to uh, California. So I'm going all over the world just here. It's, Mm -hmm. It's weird. It's down this Zoom portal, which seems like I'm shouting through a thin slit at my audience, but we have enough to say, as you might have noticed in the last 10 minutes, uh, we have enough to say to keep that going until such time as we can get together and start working with each other hands on. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. So it sounds like then you run a team. It sounds like you're doing a lot of education. Are you not practicing as much right now? Oh, no, I stopped having a private practice of probably seven or eight years ago, and I'm focused entirely on um, building this team to carry on the work of Ida Rolf, as I interpret it through the anatomy trains lens, and mm-hmm. to our primary mission is to provide education. Our secondary mission is to get all the professions together and make them speak the same language, because different professions have different words for the same thing, and the same word for different things, and they all talk smack about each other behind their backs and nobody worse than yoga teachers about other yoga teachers. You know, it's, it's, uh, we need to have this world come together in the way that the medical world has come together about chemical medicine and the psychiatric world has come together about temporal medicine, about how we orient to time and the practitioners that orient us into space, which includes massage therapists, Pilates teachers, yoga teachers, personal trainers, physical education teachers, and even orthopedists, and of course, physical therapists, are all involved in how the body orients itself in space. Mm-hmm. And right now, this is all these different schools, and each saying that they're better than the other one, when in fact, we're all faced with this incredible challenge of a generation that is going ever more electronic, meaning ever more sitting, ever more 25 centimeters away from the screen or however far away you are from your screen, but a lot of screen time. And our relationship to our body is changing a great deal from how it was in the industrial era, which is what we all came out of. And all of the exercise that you ever have learned has come out of that mechanical industrial era. We're going to use your muscles with leverage like this and build them up. It's a very mechanized idea of our body structure we are coming into an electronic idea of our body structure. We're certainly coming into an era in which electronics is shaping our bodies in as surely as agriculture and industry shaped our bodies before that. So massage therapy is right on the cutting edge of something really interesting that's happening singularly in human history right now. Tom's insight highlights on how massage therapy helps the body function optimally which is critical for human health and well-being. With over 45 years of experience, he knows what it takes to become a practitioner that makes a difference. His advice? Secure an education that gives you a strong foundation for success. 
Look at a school that will equip you with the education and the hands-on experience necessary to start your own practice. Second, connect with teachers at the institution you are considering. So if you want to get back to choosing a school, do your research. If you're going to massage school, it is worth it to uh, not take the one perhaps that's closest to you, but to take the one that will build you into a place where you actually come out and can start a practice in the way that you want to start a practice. Not everybody who goes through massage school is successful at that. I don't know what the figures are, you might, but only a certain percentage of those who go through massage school actually set up. And having the determination and thinking ahead about how you're going to set your practice up will help. Mm -hmm. uh, the second thing is the quality of the teaching at that school. And call up a teacher from that school. It's not hard to find a teacher from on the website or something like that. Call up a teacher or two from that school, especially if they're in the part of the school that you want to study, particularly you're interested in Asian bodywork. Call up their Asian bodywork teacher. Most teachers, I certainly am, am glad to talk to students. It's not a, a chore or an imposition. And knowing something about the teachers that you're going towards, I think, is a sort of basic research that I would want to do if I were choosing a massage school today. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you were choosing my school today, I, I would recommend doing that. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. What would be good goals for myself to have? Like by the end of this time, I should either understand X or be able to do X. Like what are some good fundamentals that will set me up for success later? You should be able to talk anatomy and physiology. You don't have to know it all. I, to this day, I'm 72 years old. I know very little chemistry. I am not a doctor. I am not trying to be a doctor. I know my anatomy and uh, I know enough about physiology so that if somebody says they have renal something, I know it means kidneys and therefore I can begin to think that way. But I'm not an internist and I don't deal with organic chemical problems. That's not my specialty. My specialty is in the biomechanical and how that relates to self-expression. If you are going for a long career, and I'm speaking to those people who want to go for a long career, whether life allows you a long career in this or not is up to so many things. But for those going for a long career, no, it's going to change. In fact, you're condemning yourself to a life of boredom if you don't allow it to change. I was dragged kicking and screaming into my future. <laughs> you know, it wasn't something that I planned ahead for and made all these good decisions that I ended up here. I made so many mistakes and was following my bliss as, as the old, was like a Joseph Campbell who said, follow your bliss. I was just following what was ever was most interesting to me at the time and practicing like hell. So your school should give you access to some kind of anatomical vocabulary so that you can talk to other professionals in talk to a physiotherapist who your client is working with, talk to your primary care, to the primary care physician of the person that you're working with, talk to the psychiatrist of the person that you're working with, and be able to team with them. That is such a boon in your practice uh, to be able to do that. So you want that vocabulary, you want lots of practice. You want practice on, and when I say lots of practice, I mean practice on different people. Does the school provide, you know, you want to have work on old people and young people and fat people and thin people and just a wide variety of clinical situations, some of it under supervision and some of it on your own during the course of your education. Now, that's true for most schools, but that you're going to get practice in the student clinic. But ask some questions about how it's organized and how clients are assigned and is there any team 
kind of consultation on these clients. What are you getting into when you're getting into your uh, clinical practice? Because if you're just shut in a room with a client and left alone, uh, you're not going to progress as fast as if you're being shepherded through that at first and then mm-hmm. given more autonomy as you go through. So to maybe dig into to both those things a little bit more, take the language one. And you were talking about this even earlier as we were speaking about how the uniformity or some sort of like kind of baseline. So we are speaking the same language is, is important. Are there certain tools or methods that I should be looking for that the school has? Like what are those ways that I should be looking for to make sure that they kind of have this uniformity that we're talking about? Is there a way that I can validate that as a, as a potential student? We give quizzes and quizzes and tests in our school too, but it's actually a very poor measure of people's actual working knowledge. You want to be able to take those pictures in the anatomical text and translate them into your hands. How fast that happens is somewhat a matter of natural talent for the person, uh, the student. How well do you feel with your hands? Um, People have different natural talents in that. If you don't have natural talent in it, you can develop more talent in it. Pay attention during the school because that's what you need is, is this proprioception in the hands to be able to get what's happening in the tissue, temperature differences, layer differences, um, you know, how deep are you, all of those things of moving around in the body, those are cultivate, those are native skills, which then are cultivated in the school. So you only need one person who really knows how to touch to really help you. If you find somebody in the school that you can mentor with or that you can spend a lot of time with or that who's the main person giving the courses, that's that's just a great leg up to practice. I, I do want to say the the uh, two other things that I didn't mention there that is that you should get out of school is are you getting the emotional maturity out of um, to handle clients? Yes, you're not being you're not going to be a psychiatrist or a psychotherapist or a social worker even when you get out, but the just basic emotional intelligence in in handling your practice and handling difficulties in your practice is something that the massage therapy school should teach whatever manual therapy school you're in it should teach and then the last one is just business skills if you're a self-starter in business that's great but if you're not a self-starter in business then that's a learnable skill about how are you going to build a practice how are you going to go meet people and get people in there it's not just (laughs) going and putting your business card up at the local health food store and the way it used to be As Tom shared earlier, in order to be business savvy, you must first have massage therapy expertise and emotional intelligence to serve your clients. The business side of things is also critical, but it's rarely taught in school. Tom says it's something that you'll have to seek out yourself. If you're willing to be a self-starter, keep learning, do the work, you will succeed. Unfortunately, they're going to need to tackle it on their own because it's not very well taught in the school. If, again, this is where are you aiming? Do you want to work at Massage Envy? Well, you don't need a lot of business skills to be employed as a massage therapist. If you want to have your own practice, which I definitely, I mean, I started out in this, that was, <laughs> there wasn't any Massage Envy or uh, any of those big spas going on then. Everybody had to have their own, make their own practice. And I was a self-starter. I had done a business before. I got to this, even though I got to this in my early 20s. And um, some other, if, if you're coming into this now and you're very young and you just haven't had that experience or you've been mostly in employment or 
something like that where you haven't had to fend for yourself, then, then those are, as I say, it's not unlearnable skills, but you just can't not have those skills and go out and think it's going to, you know, you're going to have a 20 or 30 person per week practice uh, without putting in the legwork mm-hmm. to build it. Ultimately, Tom says that you want to find a school that brings you joy. Now, you might be thinking, how in the world do I measure that? Or how do I define that? Well, you need to go visit. I can't imagine going to a, investing so much in something as a massage school without going there first. So if you go there and it has um, a bit of sparkle to it, and practice is not without problems, no matter how smooth, how glitzy your practice is, there are personal problems within it. The ability of the school to address issues, come through those issues and come out the other side. Um, In other words, learning from experience. Other schools' experience seems to accrue on the outside of the school in the form of rules and regulations that makes it heavier and heavier and heavier as time goes on. Those schools that learn from their mistakes get lighter and lighter and lighter as time goes on. I love the description of how you said, when a school, I'm going to sort of re-paraphrase it, when a school learns from their mistakes that the analogy of getting lighter opposed to heavier seems so important. I'm wondering for somebody that just is in the beginning of their career, they're going to lack a lot of that insight to even know what to look for. And so are there any other like signs or characteristics that maybe you're more familiar with that you could, that I should be paying attention to? Yeah. And I'm going to go back to my other word, which is joy, uh, because you don't, you can't really see into the workings of the school. Um, mm-hmm. You don't know a lot about this profession by definition because you're coming into it looking for a school. And so the old Middle Eastern proverb is trust in God and tie your camel. So I think the joy thing is the trust in God part. Does this feel good? Uh, which is an entirely subjective thing. And you might just hit them on a good day. <laughs> I don't know, but it's an important feel. Uh, yes, this feels good to me. Yeah, no, no, I, th- I think that's perfectly adequate. Um, is- but tie, tie your camel, the tie your camel part of the trust in God and tie your camel is check out a few teachers. How is their application process? Are they welcoming? Do they have some sense of you or are you just somebody who is warm and has a checkbook? It's a personal process that you're getting into uh, when you get into to massage and especially especially if you have not done a service industry like this where you are enthralled to your clients in a way mm-hmm. absolutely they're going to be looking to you for advice for sure but you're also in service to them you need to be there two o'clock tuesday afternoon and for mrs smith and and uh, that kind of professional reliability underlies something that then can be a gift of service of whatever you're doing outside of that with them for them Mm-hmm. On the flip side, do you consider, do you have any like red flags or things that you watch out for? Like things that if I, I notice them in, in these, like I go to these different schools that are kind of on my list, um, things that I should be cautious of or aware of? Yeah. Interfaculty conflict. Again, I don't know how you'd see that from the outside. What we try to cultivate in our school are healthy arguments. It is by argument that I have refined my anatomy trained system and that massage therapy is constantly in the process of reforming itself and personal training is in the constant uh every couple of years is redefining itself because uh, the information that's available for uh, personal trainers is changing very very rapidly not so much for a massage therapist but still it's a very rapidly changing field for reasons i outlined at the beginning of our talk 
So if those arguments among the faculty can be healthy, it's great. While many people will argue for a well-rounded education, Tom points out that this can sometimes lead to a lack of focus within the school or the curriculum. Decide what your goal is as a massage therapist and make sure that the school you choose shares your vision. In your initial five or six or 700 hours, I highly recommend focusing on giving a good massage. That This is a difficult one because uh, I'm gonna say something insulting and then I'll take it back. Many people, this is true of practitioners, but it's also true of schools, when you try to put many things together, you end up with dishwater more often than soup. And the question is, if a school has a lot of things that it's offering, is that a good soup? Or have they just thrown everything into the pot and actually ended up with something that's more like dishwater, where none of the flavors really come through? We, in our school, focus on structural integration. The only people who come to our school are the people who want to learn structural integration because you can't learn anything else here. We relate it to osteopathy. We relate it to personal training and what do planks, you know, side planks do for scoliosis and all of those things. We're not teaching that. We refer to it. We're teaching structural integration, which is a 12-session process of straightening the body out and working out the kinks that have been put into it to date. So we stick with that. That's sort of the through line from north to south, yes, our, our magnetic pole. And then we look 360 degrees from that. Oh, this person could use some Tai Chi. This person could use some Feldenkrais. This person could use some Pilates or something else. But so that we relate out to these these different professions, but we're doing what we're doing, which is the gross carpentry of trying to put the body back together somewhat as an osteopath or a chiropractor would, but working with the elastics instead of bumping the bones back into place mm-hmm. on the idea that if you stretch the elastics, it will stay there longer and allow the person to adopt a new pattern. It might be tempting in the beginning to try to feel like you want to get a wide, sort of a wide stroke or a wide brush where I may be better off kind of picking picking the realm that I want to work in or this kind of general specialty that I want to work in and just doing that very well. Is that a fair summary? Yes. Okay, excellent. Well, you need to learn two things. One is the actual delivery of a session, no matter what kind of session it is, how you interact with people, how you set up your office, how you make it easy for people to get there, things that make people feel comfortable and things that make people feel uncomfortable so you don't do them, and et cetera. Just the, all the logistics of a practice, a school should give you in, you know, you should be marching out with that in a knapsack on your back so that you have the knowledge to set up a practice successfully, mm-hmm. hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. So as we wind down here, our, we, we've covered a lot of really good information. Is there anything else that maybe we haven't hit yet that you want to make sure the listener knows regarding this topic and the field of massage and just kind of everything we've been discussing. I'm a restless person. I'm a stuck-in-my-head intellectual. I have found such satisfaction in being in this profession for the last 45 years. As I said earlier, I've stopped practicing, but I'm working a lot in class and I'm teaching all the time. I'm still embedded very deeply in this this project. And uh, it's been very satisfying intellectually to me. I've been able to explore all kinds of things by thinking about the body. The body is the great equalizer. Everybody has one. The rich have one, the poor have one, and the old and the young, and they all benefit from touch. And its relationship to people's deep healing of trauma, to emotional 
stepping up to the next thing to not being defeated by a relationship and but being able to uh, get back on top of oneself all of these things are really bodily experiences that can be so helped by body work trans any of life trans of life's transition can be helped by body work and of, of all kinds so all i can say is you're choosing a profession that really can move your body and move your heart and move your head and so go for it i love it tom thank you so much for your time today if jeff it's a pleasure speaking with you take care if you know someone who's considering a career in massage therapy please share the show with them or if you are considering a career in massage therapy make sure you're following us on your podcast app of choice you do not want to miss future episodes Choosing a Massage School is sponsored by East West College of the Healing Arts in Portland, Oregon. East West College has been successfully educating massage therapists in a safe, supportive, and professional environment since 1972. To learn more about East West, visit eastwestcollege.edu. The show is created in partnership with Come Alive Creative. The show is produced by Maggie Fisher and edited by Isidore Nieves. I'm your host, Jeff Large. Thanks for listening.